Hey, I'm Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> and I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 96 of the North Meet South Wear podcast. So you may be surprised to know this, but I do not know what that is about or from I, or anyway. I mean, anything. Leroy Jenkins. I, I, I can understand that perhaps you never played World of Warcraft, but I cannot understand that you are a person of the internet oh, who doesn't yes. know Leroy Jenkins. Oh, well, I, I, I guarantee you I will not be the only one, but I remember hearing it now, now that you said World of Warcraft, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, I do. It was I a thing. There was a there was a guild, and they were planning their their raid, and and Leroy comes in right at the end as they're still trying to figure out what's going on, and he screams his name, <laughs> That's right. not entirely dissimilarly to how I just did at the top of the show. My name is not Leroy Jenkins; it is Michael Dorinda, and he just runs in, disregards the plan, starts attacking everything inside the cave or whatever, and. Uh, everyone gets massacred, and he was uh, immortalized yeah, and as like they put... <laughs> Jenkins. Yeah, and everybody was really irritated, right? Because because everyone like, died. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're just staging. Yeah. We're just staging here, yeah. like waiting, waiting, and then it's like just zoom. He just goes in. That's right. So when there you go. when the when the Skype call connected, oh, I said, "Let's Leroy Jenkins this. We've got we've got a hard thirty minutes today. We've got to get this done and dusted." So I said, "Let's fire up. Done let's hit dusted. record." Let's get this done. It would be nice. I know that uh, Caleb and Daniel, when they do their podcast, they're pretty much just hit record. They do no editing. Yeah. They just slap it all together and they and they post it straight away. But yep. uh, they have a little bit more free time than what we do. The, these things are starting to get harder and harder week in and week out to to schedule. You know, our, our normal time gets thrown out the window. People are visiting. Families are visiting. Mother's Days happen. We're going out. Yep. We're, it's just this is in fact our. Our fifth week now. No, our fourth week? Our fourth week. It's, I think it's our yeah, fourth week. Yeah, fourth or fifth week in a row that we've had to reschedule. In a row. Yeah, yeah. in a row. Yep. And um, so it's hard. It's hard because, you know. It is, the, man. The middle of the day Off is the kind normal. of the, the only time that we can sort of schedule that, that lines up in terms of like when you're free and when I'm free. But as, as Eli's getting a little bit older now, we can't really have him not busy all day. Otherwise... That kid, I, I said to Ray the other day, he's 100 miles an hour until he crashes into the wall. And if he if he skips his <laughs> daytime nap because he hasn't done enough to sort of keep him occupied in the morning, then he'll just keep going and going and going. He's like a little energizer bunny. And then yeah. he'll, he'll get to the end of the day and then, you know, just either either he gets very irritable or he's okay right exactly. until he falls asleep, yes. um, you know, doing the, the nighttime singing and, and bottle drinking and whatever else that, that we do with his routine. So yeah, it, it makes it makes it tricky. So then and then and then it's a matter of, of coordinating with you during the day because somebody somebody likes to just I'm gonna have a little sit on the couch and then sleep <laughs> right through the rescheduled recording times. Oh my word. Yeah. Well so uh, to be fair, to be fair, this is the first week of all of our rescheduled times, I think this is the first week I've done that. So <laughs> I've been doing okay. I've been doing pretty decent in the most recent weeks. <laughs> but yes, my my uh, propensity to fall asleep in the evening time uh, is <laughs> is one that I I combat on a regular basis. So, Unsurprising with yeah, with and, your the, army and the changing of around of the yeah the changing around of uh, of the times does make it weird because I'm like a Saturday nights I know or whatever. It's typically like, yep, okay, I'm ready to go. And 
then it's like been Sundays and it's like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then it's like, we had to move it again. Cause it was, you know, whatever. So anyway, yes, I, I did. In fact, tonight I was like, all right, I'm just going to sit down for a couple minutes here. Yeah. That never works. Never sit down. Never works. Never sit down. Never works. Don't sit down. Just got to stay standing and pump yourself full of caffeine until, mm-hmm. until the showtime. So yeah. But, um, yeah, the my kids are the same way in that. So like my oldest, he's very he gets bored really easy. So mm-hmm. I'm bored, you know. So he's got he's in like every activity there is right now available to him. Um but then he gets exhausted, right? So then he's not it's not he's not picking on his siblings because he's bored anymore. Now he's picking on them because he's tired and irritable, cranky, right? Yeah. So it's like the other side of the you can't win. You can't win. He's so he's we'll hit that wall. He's like the uh Yep. The uh what is it? Oh no. The Kool-Aid. Oh yeah. It just bursts through that wall yeah, and keeps exactly going. Exactly like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, indeed. So uh so yeah, Leroy Jenkins, my my brother-in-law was big into World of Warcraft and uh he's I I think he might be into League of Legends now mm-hmm. instead of World of Warcraft, but uh nice. But yes, I've seen the I've seen the meme, <laughs> the YouTube Excellent. video of Leroy Jenkins. It's good times. Good times. Um, so anyway, how has life been? What are you guys up to at work these days? I know that you have been showing um, a fun little sort of multi-step wizard that you've been working on. And uh, I'm interested to know how that's going. And also, if you're using, um, there is this multi-step sort of wizard mm-hmm. thing that is built for Laravel for building multi-step forms. Do you know what I'm talking about? They've added on Laravel News yeah. recently, actually. Yeah, it starts with an A. I, I'm aware of it. I went and looked at it, actually. And uh, I, it's, it's a really simple form. It's 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 like a four-step, five-step thing. And so uh, I just spun Arcanist. up. Arcanist. 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 Yeah, that's the one. Um, no, I'm not, not using Laravel for this at all because this is sort of just a, a plan selector thing. So we ask some qualifying questions around, you know, how many phones do you need? Do you want included calls or pay-as-you-go calls? Do you want, um, do you want to bring your own phone or do you want to buy a phone or rent a phone? And then at the end, we just take all those parameters based on what you've selected and and we spit out a plan and say, here is the plan that meets that criteria. Because we have like, I don't know, like 150 plans because each... Each plan has the same inclusions, but sometimes they will change. So you'd, you'd know this as someone who has recently set up a, a voice or a hosted PBX service in that. Sure. Uh, if, you, if you want to make one phone call, you need one phone and one line, right? So yep. you, can, you, yep. can, you could either make or receive one call. Um, if you want to make two simultaneous calls, then you need two lines and two phones, um, and then things get a bit tricky because if you've got two people on the phone and someone calls in, those two lines are occupied, so you get a busy time. Um, so if you want to have two people on the phones and and a third person calls in, you want them to have like a, a voicemail or an IVR or something or an auto attendant or something like that, you need to have three lines. Basically, you always need to have more lines available than you have people on calls um, and diversions sure. okay. and things like that get messy. So. Um, essentially we have like a hundred plans and it's like the, the one line plan, the two line plan, the three line plan, the four line plan, the five line plan. And so at the moment we just list them all in, in this horizontal slider thing. So you got to go scroll, scroll, scroll until you find the one you want and click sign up. So we're just trying to simplify that process because people don't, 
people don't know like what they need and they don't they don't know yeah, what the sure. qualification is for which plan to choose and and things like that so just putting together the the little multi-step wizard that that just asks the questions and then just presents you with the option um and then you know if you're not sure at the end of that we'll just say call us and we'll we'll walk you through it kind of thing so it's just changing the the presentation and the, and the way that we do that at the moment so playing around it's just it's just tailwind ui because it's like a couple of inputs um a, a radio button group and then using alpine to just step through it which is which has been pretty nice just tracking the current step and then if you click next it increments the step and then using the the transition attributes to sort of slide one in and slide one out um yeah and so i've got it in a proof of concept stage where that that kind of all works um but it's around you know once we're happy with the the sort of general idea of it you know you mentioned that if you go back it should slide in the opposite direction so figuring out how to do that using sort of dynamic style attribute or dynamic attribute values because you could put an expression as it turns out, inside the X transition attributes. And so you can say, you know, if if the step is greater than this step, so, you know, if, if you're on step two and you want to go back to step one, you kind of invert the classes so that it slides in the opposite direction. But I have yep, not sure. yet been able to figure out how to get that to work. So I'll just leave it like that until we're happy with it and then bust my chops over it later until I can figure it out. So, but it like, yeah, super I, would, simple. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. It looks really good. I was just giving you a hard time a little bit about the <laughs> the slide left and the slide right. So yeah, that was the first know, thing you I noticed. Next, it like, yeah. yeah, it fades out and then pulls the next one in from the right. Just a quick little, yeah. just a small slide animation. And then when you click back, it still does that same thing where it feels like you're moving forward Correct. forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every time you curves back forward, it, it kind of slides the same direction. So yeah, I will, I'm going to look into this um, because we have this same issue, right? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, we have these basically this wizard um, that that has a list of these different templates, and then depending on whether you press forward or back, it will actually do the transition one way or the other. Um, so now now you've got me curious as to how Wilbur Power actually did it. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, it'd be good to know. <laughs> now I've got to yeah. So I'll I'll look into it a little bit and see how exactly it was he he did it. But uh, I know we do uh, do that as well. Um, but for sure, man, these sorts of changes, which sort of seem trivial at the time, pay huge dividends. Mm. I know that we had a process like this that we went through and um, just really wanted to make sure that for the mobile user specifically, that it was really, really, really easy to use. Things like making sure that when you're on a mobile phone, depending on the type of input that they're filling out, that it has all the correct type of um, attributes that make it so that the correct keypad pulls up um, mm. on on their phone. So, like if they're selecting the number of phones that they want, instead of it having a regular keyboard output or input with like the numbers across the top and then the full keyboard down below, you know it's going to be a number, so a set number of digits, pad. right? Yeah. So, using the correct type of input that would allow on iOS or on Android the inputs to be like the number inputs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you just have like the nine key. The nine, you know, the nine keypad sort of yep. deal. Uh, those little things actually make a huge difference when it comes to mobile and to the user experience. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you'll get a lot better conversion if you pay attention to those sort of things. Even things like with the email, yeah. Um, uh, depending on how you how you could, if you just do like a regular text input, then it doesn't pick up anything. But if you use email, then it will, you know, provide autofill options for yeah. them based on how their contact is set up in their phone. 
Um, so just being aware and cognizant of those things as you're filling out those, uh, as you're creating those forms, um, makes a makes a really big difference on the user conversion side of things. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a whole bunch of like input attributes that you can put onto your input fields and things like that. If you've if you've been paying attention when you've been copy pasting your Tailwind UI components, you'll note that that they do use some of those. And I think there's a CSS tricks article or something like that. I'll see if I can find it and link it up in the show notes that that goes through each of those things. But you're right, you know, being able to do autocomplete. And then if you do split first and last name up, then you can specifically say, hey, autocomplete last name or surname or or family name or whatever it is. And that way, if you are on an iPhone or I assume Android phone, that it will pull that from your contacts and say, hey, you need to put Dorinda here as opposed to Michael or whatever if you've just right. got the, the default exactly. thing. So the phones do a good job of kind of guessing all of that and inferring it from the the input names and things like that. But it's definitely wise, especially for, you know, simplicity. I, I can't type on my phone to save my life. And I'm sure you have received <laughs> so, plenty of messages from me that are just like wrong. So um, the, the, the more you can simplify it for your users and, and sort of make sure that it's, um you know, giving them the the tools that the phone provides to autofill, you know, dates and uh, dates of birth and phone numbers and things like that it just makes it that much easier um, and, and better for the, the user. So something to, to figure out for sure. Yeah. I'm looking through to see if I can find exactly where I have that. Um, but I'm going to, I'll look that up. There's, there was a specific way to do it. There's a couple of different ways to handle it. Um, and some of the old ways seemed like a bit hacky, mm-hmm. like using a pattern that restricted it to only be um, zero through nine or something like that, yeah. and then iOS would pick it up. But there, are, there's another way, and I can't remember exactly the, how it is. It's, it's, um, yeah, I'm gonna look it up uh, though because it's gonna drive me crazy yeah. if I don't. So we will, we will find it here. We go. Better, better form inputs for better mobile user experiences is the article. So there's like input mode and autocomplete and type are the three attributes that you want to think input about. Mode. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if you, you specify the thing, like don't for a phone number, don't, don't specify number, like specifically tell it telephone. Um, and it'll give you the correct numeric, you know, the number, the number pad and things like that, as opposed to just a, a field that you can type numbers into. So, um, the, the input mode, uh, and, uh, yeah, the autocomplete. So you can hint at what specifically you need to autocomplete. So if you have a one-time code thing, so you can do autocomplete equals one dash time dash code, and that will help things like password managers when you're doing, uh, doing two-factor authentication to know that, Hey, I need to, to shove the thing in here. So if you've ever logged into Laravel Forge, for example, you enter your username and password on the first step using one password. And then when it pops up the next thing um one password will know based on that autocomplete field that hey i need to chuck my uh code that's on the clipboard in here for you so um there's a whole right, bunch of instead of ones. using the password again or whatever yeah, yeah instead of passing pasting the password in there so uh, definitely check that out it's 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 really useful like to get a decimal input mode which is the the keypad as opposed to just that's the standard using, numeric yeah because yeah, yep. if you use the standard numeric it's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero across the top. But then you've got all of the the other symbols as well, which you don't need typically when you're entering a phone number. You just want one through or zero through nine. Um, and having the, the yeah. big chunky keys there makes that easier as well. Yeah. Even the different types as far as like email and, and whatever, like those actually di- arrange things differently as well. It'll add um, little helpers, I think like the .com or .edu or something like that along 
along a, a, a portion of the keyboard so that it's a yeah, little it bit easier to complete an email mm-hmm. address. Yeah, yeah. So it just sort of rearranges things a little bit. So yep. definitely something to be aware of. And it's, you know, it's like that last fifteen percent of the stuff that you're that you do. It's like get everything else right, and then at the last fifteen percent, it's like go through it on a mobile phone and just make sure that it actually makes mm-hmm. sense, feels right um, when you're doing it. That you know, when it asks for a zip code or something like that, and um, mm-hmm. it's like okay, well, that's going to be digits. So go ahead and make sure that that's using an input type of decimal, right? And it does. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, good good thing to be aware of on that. So yeah, but your form is looking really nice, and uh, I think that it'll pay dividends yeah. for sure. So that looks really good. Yeah, I'm just blown away at how simple this stuff is now to use, uh, relatively speaking, rather than you know pulling in the full weight of view just to do a couple of small transitions and and things like that. Just using mm-hmm. Alpine. Yeah, and then absolutely. on the other side of the coin, I've been doing some just vanilla JavaScript this week using Fetch and you know query selectors and things like that, just just to sort of bring in a little bit of functionality here and there. And um, a, a lot of modern JavaScript is a lot nicer than you know what it was the last time I wrote any JavaScript when I was still sort oh, of doing sure. jQuery. And and just the yeah, things absolutely. that that kind of just work, you know, the query selectors and and all of that kind of stuff that that jQuery kind of introduced that's now just part of JavaScript that makes things so much nicer to work with. Um, JavaScript yeah. fetch is still a bit of a, a beast in terms of you, it like it will return a promise I that you have to that. then, yeah. you know, you have to um, resolve, resolve it. you have to resolve it and then you have to resolve it again. And then as it Correct. turns out, yeah. when you're using fetch and catch, well, catch doesn't actually catch server <laughs> exactly. errors. So right. you have to sort of resolve it first, find out if if the response was okay. You know, if you return to 422 as a validation error, you have to resolve that, then throw an error yourself, which will then get caught by catch um, and, and otherwise handle it however you need to handle it. So that was an interesting tidbit to, to sort of figure out last week. But um, yeah, it's a lot nicer for sure than, than things used to be. And, and without having, I mean, the, the code that I'm working at the moment has jQuery available. So um, it's kind of like, do you just use what's already there or do you use what's native in the yeah, browser? Yeah, it's not and, going anywhere, right? So, right. Yeah. Yeah, so jQuery, you know, originally when it first came out, it basically made JavaScript usable. Um, the problem when jQuery came out was that there was no standard sort of API that you could work with reliably across all the different browsers. So jQuery sort of helped to smooth that a little bit and say, we'll take care of all the inconsistencies with these different yeah, browsers. Yeah, all the shims and, and things like you that. You can just use a single API. What's that now? All of the shims and the... And the yeah, exactly. And the things like that. I don't forget what they're called. Um, not... Gosh, I'm not going to remember it now. The um, polyfills. You know, it, it handled that polyfill layer you for sure. you so that, you know, everything was consistent, whether you're in IE, you know, because you still had to support IE6 because everything was still in IE6, Correct. but you wanted to do some some new stuff. Well, you know, let jQuery handle all that stuff for you. And then you didn't have to worry yeah. about doing checks and things like that in your own code. So most of what we're doing now is IE11 and above. And IE11, or even IE11's, not really a consideration. It's all Edge now, I suppose, which is Chromium based. Right. So, really, you're only dealing with um, Safari, Chromium, and WebKit. Are, are they the three different rendering or the main rendering? Yeah, so engines? like Firefox, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's right. That's that's the ones that we would typically target, yeah. right? Yep. Chrome, uh, Firefox, Safari. Yeah. And it's nice with that. Can I use stuff like IE11 is still consideration for sure, but definitely not. I mean, it just depends. Like you can, it can be a consideration if you choose for it to be, but that's something you'd want to probably base on your analytics, yeah, right? Correct. Um, if you keep records of those. Yeah. If your analytics shows um, that you have a large percentage of customers that are still using IE11, if you're, if you're building sort of like a product or an internal application kind of thing and, and you know that your users are predominantly on IE, well then, yeah, of course you're going to have to make some allowances because you may not be in a position to sort of change that. If it's part of your standard operating environment or if you're in um, you know, government and things like that that are just using old stuff, you know, these applications that were built 10 years ago that only work in IE whatever, um, then, yeah, the, the considerations are different for you. But but broadly speaking, people are in evergreen browsers. So yeah. evergreen being, you right. know, As Firefox at, and, uh... and Chrome and things like that that, that self-update and, and keep themselves up to date all the time. Safari, people like to, to dog on Safari. They're, I mean, their release cycle is different because it's kind of tied to the Mac OS release cycle. So they only put out a new version once a year. Um, it would be cool if, you know, and it's not even... I was listening to um, Syntax FM last week and they were talking about, you know, Safari should just adopt WebKit or Chromium. And I don't think that is necessarily the solution to the problem, but if they just made their browser evergreen so that they could push out these updates more frequently mm-hmm. than, than within the context of a full, you know, Mac OS release, then I think that would solve a lot of the, the problems that, you know, people are starting to think of Safari as like, the IE of old when it's it's the new IE. Yeah, which yeah. is which is it like it's not quite. I, I get the 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 thought behind it, but I think it's it's not like they never update it. It's just that they're slower to update it because it's tied to the operating system updates. So For sure. Um yeah, if they like if they brought out, you know, Mac OS eleven dot four or whatever it is this year and they said Safari's going evergreen, I think a lot of those problems will go away and you won't have to worry about it so much because then you have you know, the three, four main browsers, you know, Safari, Edge, um, Chrome, and Firefox all being kept up to date frequently, then then all of these problems kind of go away. So it does make you wonder why they haven't done it yet. But um, but I so like I was looking up IE11, right? And so there's a global usage of 0.91%. So not even 1% of the population is using IE11. So if you know your demographic, right, it's possible that maybe... Um, the people who are visiting your site make up more than 1% of your traffic coming on IE11. That's possible. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, most of the time, like I don't think we really even consider it a whole lot either. Um, Well, most of your stuff would be internal. Um, Right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And as the the head of IT, you can just make it so... Yeah, yeah. Everyone upgrade your computers. You know, some of our products that are concerning everybody else I remember we did have like we kept on getting this one error and I was like, why does this keep happening? Like we have really got to dig in and figure out what this error is. And we went in and realized it was somebody on like IE9 <laughs> or, or 8 or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, ignore that error. Never look for it again. Yeah. Like, and then it was just like, then we just said, okay, if anybody's using less than IE11 or something like that, like kick them to another page that says you can't use this website. Yeah. Like you're, Or yeah, we put a banner across the top that would say yeah. something like, this website will not act as expected if you're using something less than yeah. this version. You know, go update your browser and come back, or switch to a different browser. Yeah, and or I've something been like doing that because that. it, was, it wasn't worth the frustration to mm-hmm. kind of get, make it compatible with that old version of IE. It's like, nope, 
Just tell them they're going to have a degraded experience yeah, if just they care to use front. the site for the one person that visits it every mm-hmm. month, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we would used to do that um, going back to like my first programming job when we did our online sign-up. It was, we would do the browser detection and we would say, hey, you're using this browser. You know, if you were not using Chrome or Firefox, then we would say, you know, maybe consider using these. You might have a degraded experience. Things might not work. And there would be no no push from the business to, to fix them. It would just be like, tell the user that they're using a, a crusty browser and they should update it if they're having any issues. Because, um, you know, especially especially now where like the majority of us Laravel developers, or I don't want to say the majority, a large number of the Laravel developers that I know are using Macs. And it's not really something that we would do in terms of going to test IE. Like you wouldn't spin up a Windows VM and try and test Edge right? Although I think you can get Edge on macOS now. Right. So, um, But most of us don't yes, even think I have, about it. I use Edge on, on macOS. Yeah. Most of us don't even think about it. It's just we use Chrome or we use Firefox and we might test between the two. But most of the things are consistent enough now that you don't sort of need to go out of your way to, to check on them to that extent. Yeah. So like things like short closures, I'm actually interested in um, like in JavaScript, right? Um, I'm curious when that was introduced and what the coverage for that is. So I know like in like Alpine, they use a lot of that, those, that sort of short closure syntax, right? Fat arrow syntax for their functions and things like that. I'm curious what version of IE that sort of is compatible with. Yeah. Um, I think I spoke with Caleb some time ago when he was sort of looking for, I guess, opinions on whether Alpine should support IE 11. And I think yeah, so. Like it doesn't at this point. Yeah, looks like it doesn't. And and what I said to him at that time was, people people are probably not using Alpine in older stuff as much as they're spinning up new things. And so it's not like you're taking your giant jQuery application or your Angular one application or your Vue two application and converting it to Alpine. Like anything that's going to be a huge inconvenience you're not just going to rewrite it to Alpine. So to suggest that Alpine needs to support IE 11 um, at all would would just be creating yourself a whole bunch of extra you know, work that you don't really need because you know, anyone using those legacy, legacy browsers and, and, and sort of the applications that only work in them, as I said, they're, they're not going to be converting to Alpine as part of, an ongoing thing. I know Matt Stauffer said that recently ish that, you know, they were taking some stuff that had a couple of view components here and there and they were, they were going to convert them. But, you know, if you've got an entire application, like a, a, an SBA built on top of view, you're not going to, you're not going to rewrite it. Like it just works. So you leave it at that. Um, so I think that that's always a consideration based on your users, based on what, what the, the need is. So, and I think it was the same. Yeah, it was so, the same like when Adam was trying to figure out whether Tailwind needed to support IE 11. It was just like not many people are converting their stuff to Tailwind. They're starting from scratch. Um, so Right. So uh, it looks like Alpine, so just to be clear, Alpine does support IE 11 if you want it to. So there's a sec- there's like a secondary module. Mm-hmm. It uses the module, no module pattern so that modern bundle or modern browsers will automatically load in the uh, default. And then IE11 will automatically load the legacy version. Um, 
that that is bundled with support for IE11. So it has IE11 support, but things like short closures or fat arrow functions, however you want to call them, uh, arrow functions, I suppose, um, with like the um, the fat arrow syntax and lexical this binding, mm-hmm. um, those are not able to be used in IE11 just based on can I use. So you just have to be careful as you're looking through documentation and things like that if it uses something like that. There is no transpilation step. So yeah. any of those things that would typically work if you're using a transpiler or a build step would not work yeah. in IE11 if you were using those straight in the browser uh, like you do with Alpine.js. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but having said that, yeah, I've I've uh, enjoyed using Alpine as well. Uh, it's so nice to just be able to pull it in as like a script tag, just pop it in there, and no build step, and really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. Looking looking forward to seeing the the talks and the videos and the stuff that come out from Alpine Day, which uh, which will be next month. So I'll, I'll watch them after the fact, but um, just seeing what what's in store for Alpine V three and the fact that they're all really short talks, like eighteen minute talks. Makes it easy 18 to 18 minutes, yeah. yeah. You really have to get it, like get in there and just start immediately. Like, yeah. There's going to be no time for introductions. It's not like, hey, my name is Jake. I work at this company mm-hmm. and this is the stuff I've been doing for the last three years. Yeah. And now that we talk about the title of my talk, it's going to be like, boom, getting right in there. 18 minutes. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, keen to, keen to see what comes out of that. Um, tickets are on sale Jesse, now. Uh, Jesse Shutt might be carving a spoon. He's carving a spoon live, live yeah, which, which is something different. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. You know, life, yeah, you think life coding kind of fun. Yeah, right. Um, so some of the stuff they did on that website, on the Alpine Day website, um, was kind of cool. Uh, like how they animated the different pieces mm-hmm. using that animate, um, which is native to browsers now, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. I had never heard of that. Like I didn't know that that was a thing. Um so now I have to look that now I have to look that up. Like this animate API that's uh, available as a JavaScript thing in all browsers now, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so just chucked in some animation stuff, and it works like a charm. So you have this little airplane flying across the top of the screen. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not keeping up with all of the different APIs that are available to modern browsers in the JavaScript world. I just kind of use frameworks a lot of times to abstract that away from, mm-hmm. for me. So I don't hear about some of these things until you see them used in the wild. You're like, wait a second, what is that? Yeah, I, That's a thing now? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. So now I got to go back and look at some of that stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty fun little website there. Yeah. So check check that out. It's at alpineday.com. Tickets are on sale at the moment for $18. So check that out. Uh, if you are interested, I'll put a Absolutely. I'll put a link in the They're show notes. Pre-sale for right now. Mm. Yeah, they will go yeah. up to thirty five dollars at some stage. So uh, by by now, as soon as you hear this, I suppose if you haven't already, for sure. Hey man, uh, we uh, we do have some other things we could talk about, but we are at thirty minutes, mm. so uh, I got We should probably start wrapping this one up. Yes, yes. Okay, sounds good. Um, this was episode 96 of the North Meet South web podcast. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at northmeetsouth.audio slash ninety six. We always love hearing from people at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at North South Audio on Twitter. If you like the show, please rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be very much appreciated. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and we hope to see you uh, on the interwebs soon. Make sure you say hey. All right, folks. Till next time, we'll see you. Adios. Adios.